0: So get ready, it's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey everyone, it's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I am glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. A few things before we get into today's episode. First, and I say this on every show, if you have not already done so, hit that subscribe button and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. We've got some great episodes coming up. And also go back and check out some of the other episodes from this season. And if you enjoy listening to the show, please share the podcast with a friend or two or three. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. And lastly, there is a link in the show notes for the Move the Ball merchandise stores, So go click the link, check out some swag, and rock that you're a part of the Move the Ball movement. All right, for today's episode, I've got an awesome guest with us inside the huddle and ready to talk about his experience and share what he does to move the ball is Garrett Wallow. Hi, Garrett, how are you?
1: I'm doing really well. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. Well, welcome to the show. First off, great first name. I might be a little bit biased there, (laughs) (laughs) So I'm looking forward to chatting with you on our show. You're down in New Orleans. I was just recently down there. It was hot and humid.
1: All the above.
0: Yes. Yes. Very hot and very humid and saw some, some guys that, that you know, you're training down there with Djo. Shout out to Djo. And then also Xavier Rush and Albert Brock are two guys that you know well that are good friends of mine. So shout out to them as well. They all know how to move the ball. As well, before we get into our chat, let me just share a little bit more about your background for our listeners. So Garrett is an NFL linebacker who currently plays for the Houston Texans. Garrett played college football at Texas Christian University at TCU, and he was drafted by the Texans in the fifth round of the 2021 NFL draft as the 170th overall pick. All right, Garrett, are you ready to move the ball? I'm ready. <laughs> All right, so I've been in love with, with the game of football my entire life. and am a student of the game since I was four years old. I mentioned you were down in New Orleans, which is where you're from. How did you get into football, and what about the game made you fall in love with it?
1: From what I can remember, I've been playing football since I was real, real young. My earliest memory of football was <laughs> I was playing on my uncle's football team at Delta Playground, which is about probably like a five-minute walk from where I live at. Man, I think I might have been the only kid on the field with jean shorts and my football pants because we didn't have too much money at the time. At that time, I was playing offensive line and defensive line <laughs> on the team. Yeah, it was just kind of one of my first memories. And then as I got to go older, I just fell in love with the competition of the game. Uh, I was really well at it. I fell in love with being a running back. That was my first position until I got into uh, college. No, until I got into uh, high school. And start to play defense. But just everything about football was like my happy place. It's like whatever, whenever I step in between those lines, you know, nothing else mattered but for me to play ball and just have a good time, uh, just competing. And my, my grandma always told me, she was like, uh, this is something about you. You always know where the ball's going to be. I and mean, you're always around the ball. And I was like, yeah, it is. After I thought about it, like, that is true. I, but I just out there just having fun, having a good time. So yeah, that was, that was from my, probably my earliest memory of playing.
0: Oh, I love it. And, yeah, you know, listening to you, I've got a big smile on my face. I mean, I just think about every time I step on the football field, it's just a, just a different level of energy. So I can completely relate to what you were saying.
1: It's a different environment for sure. <laughs> it is.
0: Now we're currently in the off season. As you know, being elite is all about leveling up and getting better. What are some of the things that you're currently doing? You're working with DJ. What are you really focused on improving to get ready for camp?
1: So in the off-season, I've seen myself grow a lot on the field from my first year. And it's exciting to see that because when you like sit back and reflect, you just see yourself grow mentally and physically. And one thing I really wanted to do this off-season was have a little bit more explosion and work on my mobility. And I think that's really helped me so far. You know, that's something I've really been focusing on, especially going into camp and some mobility things. So when we get going into team seven or seven things like that, I'm able to move the way I want to, open my hips the way I want to, and it's just it's important to be very detailed in those areas because that's like that's what I do every every snap. So just attacking that all season with that mentality of just trying to get one percent better each day in some type of way. Uh, even today, you know, we were on the field at Harrell uh, running, trying to open up hips, things like that. And it comes to the point now when you just focus on trying to get something better. Uh, each rep is a mental rep, also as well. Just that movement that you want it to be. So, and just having a goal in the all season was huge. Instead of just going and training, because you just you really want to get better in certain areas. Because you don't just want to train your strengths. Uh, it's more important to train your weaknesses to make them your strengths. Therefore, you have no weaknesses.
0: Now, you play linebacker. What do you think are the skills and qualities you need to be elite at this position in the NFL?
1: Oh, well, the game's kind of changing up to this point. I think a lot of linebackers back in the day were those big, big guys who, who hit the hole fast. And don't get me wrong, you still need to have that physicality. But I think in this league now, it's becoming a passing league. I think a lot of guys really need to be able to move, be able to cover really well. And the main thing that's going to that's gonna exceed or above or anything else is just being a smart player. I don't think people realize that the linebacker is the quarterback of the defense. So every check relies on us. Um, every formation, every close call, every, every just adjustment relies on us. And, you know, it's really going to a game. And that's I mean, that's, you got to love it though. I mean, that's, you always got to love a challenge like that. But going into a game, the game is kind of in the linebacker's hands. So, um, it's just important to be a smart player to be aware of every situation that can happen, and especially with a long season and there's no telling how many plays you'll play within a whole entire 20 something game season. Every play needs to be your best.
0: Now, something I like to talk about on the show is that being elite is really about differentiation and separation. That's whether you're a football player or just someone that's in a corporate job or an entrepreneur, you have to be able to set yourself apart from your competition, from the others that are playing the game out there with you. What do you think it is about your training and just what you do that helps to separate you from your peers?
1: I like to see myself as just a a natural hard worker. I think that hard work will always exceed anything else and I've always been taught that so you know going into my sessions every time I'm like I, it's just something about me like if I do a rep that I don't like I wouldn't be able to go home and sleep until I redid that rep if I'm running and I feel like okay today I didn't give it my hardest I wouldn't be able to lay my head on my pillow at night and be comfortable without knowing that I gave it my hardest so it's like just attacking every day with that same mentality now it does get challenging though and I'll be a hypocrite to tell you that some days I don't go out there and, you know, my body's hurt. I'm like, man I, just, man, I just I ain't got in the tank today. But, you know, those are the days that separate other people is because anybody can do it when your body's feeling right, everything's feeling good. But when you're hurting, you can barely walk and you go out there and still perform and still train the way that you need to train. And I think that's the most important thing. It's just it's just that mentality and just having that mentality to just to keep going and keep working no matter how you feel. Or no matter how your body feels physically or, or how you feel mentally, just to keep stacking days. So, so many days stacking on top of each other just, just give you that successful advantage.
0: And you bring up a good point about, you know, anybody can do it on the days when their body's feeling great or what you, when you're feeling motivated and excited, it's easy to show up and perform. But the ones that are really successful in whatever field is the ones that on those days where they're not feeling like getting up or they're not extra motivated, they still come show up prepared, ready to do their job and to perform. Those are the ones that are really the ones that separate themselves from the others that are out there.
1: Right. I also think it's important to be teachable. Always be teachable in any moment. Don't ever think that you, know what you're doing or have it all like figured out, I think it's always important to like going to any meeting or any session, training session, knowing that you can learn something each day. And if you do that, I mean, just being open to being able to learn is, is just so important.
0: Oh, absolutely. That's actually something that, as you know, I wrote this book, Move the Ball, which is all about lessons that I took away from the game. And one of the chapters talks about how you should check your ego both on and off the field. And you always, no matter what your profession It's about being coachable. It's about always looking at how you can learn and improve and being open to feedback so that you can perfect the little things or fine tune or improve upon those areas that you may not be as good as you think that you are. Right Now, something else that I ask people all the time, since I mentioned this Move the Ball book, I like to ask people what strategies and lessons you've taken away from the game of football outside of. When I first started asking this question, people would always talk about the hard work, the discipline, the teamwork. Those are all important things. But like in my Move the Ball book, I write about so many other lessons that I've taken away from football. What are some other things that you've taken away from the game?
1: Right. I think football puts you in a very uncomfortable situation at times, especially in this profession. When you make it to the NFL, it's not just all fun and games no more. Like everything is taken seriously, it becomes a business, right? So you're in a locker room, you're in with guys who who this is their job so when I was like young the game I was like, okay this is my job but all my past experience prepared me for that right because I got comfortable being uncomfortable like football you're not going to be successful every practice every game and that's kind of just I, I take that over to life every session every training session or every day I'm with my family every day I'm trying to start a side business and every day I'm trying to exceeded something that that I'm dreaming about, I'm not going to be successful every day. But football has taught me that as long as you outlast your competition or outlast anybody else, you can reach that point. And, you know, everybody deals with failure. Everybody deals with some type of failure each and every day. You know, it's kind of just how you respond to it. And football has allowed me to respond to it in a more aggressive approach. And I kind of feed off of failure as a success. Um, When I'm failing, I'm really succeeding because I now have a different outlook on life or a different outlook on a thing I was found than I did have before.
0: I think that's a great point you bring up. So my listeners also know that I just recently finished another book that's going to come out in the fall, which is all about how to show up to life the right way so that you can go after what you want and get it. And one of the things there's a chapter in there, which is called never take a loss. And so it's all about it's okay to fail. It's not, it doesn't become a loss unless you don't learn something from that experience, because everything I believe is there to help shape us and grow us and teach us things. So you have to find those lessons, find those little tidbits from each experience, the good and the bad, that will help you. But you're never going to just go out there and kill it every single day. It just doesn't happen. We make mistakes. We, we don't know everything. We try something. It doesn't work. You'll learn from that. And then you continue to, to take that and move forward. Right. Now, you went to John Curtis Christian High School. I got to say, first, uh, my listeners know that I'm an Alabama alum. And another great guy to come out of John Curtis was Robbie Green Jr., who's down there training. So I just got to give Robbie a shout out and say Roll Tide. You chose to go to TCU for college. What other schools were you considering, and why did you ultimately want to be a Horn Frog?
1: A couple of schools um, besides TCU that were kind of in my top consideration were UCF, and the reason for UCF was because one of my old college teammates, Nate Evans, he went there to go play linebacker there. So I knew me and him had good chemistry from when we were in high school, and I knew if me and him played next to each other. We would kill it. So that was like a big reason why I was considering UCF. Arkansas was a good spot that I was considering, but just you know, just going there. I think where it's important when you go to college, go visit these colleges. Like, can you see yourself here and living these four years? Can you see yourself growing here, right? And I think when I visited Arkansas, there, I really, I really, just something was missing, and my gut kind of told me, you know, just keep looking, keep, you know, what I'm saying, keep going on, keep seeing what schools, you know, will fit you best. And then obviously, I took an unofficial to TCU, and I was at, I was watching practice. And I was like, I was watching the strong safety position at the time because that's what I was recruited at, recruited as going into uh, college. So I was watching the strong safety position and there was something real familiar from where I came from. And I was like, man, I was calling out kind of his job as I was watching practice, not knowing too much about the defense. And then I was like, okay, yeah, I can play here. Like, so I like this, I like this. And then another thing that limited TCU was the coaching staff at the time. They've been around for so many years, uh, I think probably 15-plus. And it was really important for me to have a a consistent coaching staff so I wasn't just going from system to system to coaches to coaches. And plus, Coach P molded a lot of guys and grew a lot of guys to to go into the NFL. So that was important to me, too, because I knew that was my dream. So the decision was really easy for me. Plus, it was in Dallas, so my mom would be able to catch a flight, uh, easy flight, And we had some family friends in Dallas that she used to stay with. So she wouldn't have to pay for a hotel or anything like that. So it was like everything just kind of lined up perfectly the way it should be.
0: It all made sense to go there. And you mentioned that you were prepared kind of going into the NFL. How did TCU help prepare you to become a professional football player?
1: I think it was important that our coaches held us to a different standard. And it got to the point to where I kind of, when I took over the team, it was more so me holding those guys to the standards more than the coaches trying to hold us to that standard. So I think it's important that, you know, going to TCU, it grew me up from such a, a mental aspect of the game. I learned how to, I learned how to be coachable. I learned how to, to grasp concepts. Just being with Coach P, having talked to Coach P about football, I mean, this guy is super smart about the game. Like, he'll teach me something, and, yeah, you know, some things he'll do. He'll come in there and walk through before the game, And put a new blitz right then and there and just, just to be able to grasp that new blitz right before everybody going to the game. That's just how we, that's just kind of how we did things. He, he got us on that level of being mentally prepared for anything. And I think it's important, you know, going to the NFL because you have to learn a whole new defense, whole new concepts. And when you're able to learn concepts and kind of break them down, it makes everything so much easier.
0: Yeah, and the NFL is different. A lot of guys will talk about it in the complexity of the playbooks. There's a lot more to learn. And so it can be overwhelming for some people as they transition into the league because they're not used to that. They're used to more simplicity in, in their style of play.
1: Right. And we had a very difficult defense from what most would think. I didn't think it was that bad, but uh, a lot of young guys and me at the time as well had a hard time kind of grasping the defense because we did so many things. But once I was able to understand the defense, it was like, all right, if I can learn this and have this perfected to the T like I do, anybody else can learn it.
0: And while you were at TC, you were actually a team captain. When you look at the skills or the qualities needed to be a successful leader and captain, what are some of those things?
1: Right, I think it's important, you know, as a team captain to, you know, you're being wise by every single person um, on the team while you're on the field or off the field. So I think uh, a good quality to have as a captain uh, one is just being consistent, not having any ups and downs, like just being consistent each and every day with your attitude. Even off the field, like I think a bunch of guys, I can't tell you how many compliments that a bunch of my teammates gave me about how they like the way like I handle things on and off the field. I was always a good guy. I always treat people right. You know what I'm saying? So just being able to, to be that person that my other teammates can lean on. So I guess you could say as a mentor as well uh, in certain areas. I was always a person that Man, I didn't, I showed hard work by action, not really by talking. So I think that's another good thing to have. Like, I wasn't just a a talker. I actually did what I preached. And I think that's very important for a leader, too, because when another guy sees it, like me being successful doing the things that I'm, I'm trying to motivate these guys to do, it pushes them harder to do those things because they see the outcome that's coming out of it.
0: Now, during your four-year career at TCU, you ended up playing in 49 games, had 295 tackles, 177 of them were solo, 32 and a half tackle for losses, TFLs, nine and a half sacks, one interception, and I could go on and on and on. When you look at your success in college football, what were some of the things that you were doing right to ensure that you would show out and perform every Saturday?
1: I watched so much film unbelievably a bunch of a a bunch of film. Like my schedule each and every day. I'd wake up, I'd go to class and then I'd probably get over to the set around like twelve. If possible, I'll watch a couple of practice like a couple of clips that we were gonna get before practice. Just so I'd be able to line everybody up right if something went wrong. And then I would go get warmed up, go to a special teams meeting at like two something. Then I would have a position meeting at like two fifteen. Then I would hear coach him, put in the game plan. So I'd be ahead of the, ahead of everybody, kinda of knowing like what to expect. But Monday was our update. So I'd watch film that night before, kinda of know what to expect for the game plan on Tuesday. He put in the game plan, we'll go out there for a walkthrough and then we'll start practice. We'll probably practice from four to six. And then after practice, I would watch I would watch either the practice. Sometimes I would go watch it with the coaches, with like Coach P and some of the other defensive staff, or I'll watch it by myself. If I if I had like a a good grasp of what I was doing, I'd watch it by myself. But if I was still a little confused about the game plan, uh, i will watch it with the coaches just to make, just to reiterate, like, kind of like I know what Coach P was thinking that what he wanted to try. Because sometimes he would try things at practice just to see how it looked. So that would help me to go in there and see, all right, is he really thinking about running this or he's just trying it out? And then after that, I'd watch film probably until I fell asleep. So I'd try to watch at least an hour or two of film of just clips, uh, before I fell asleep. So just being able to watch film and recognize like what other teams are doing, I think that had a huge part to my success. And then really just just being consistent off the field, I think that just having you know that peace off the field just brings up a good performance on the field. If you have so much going on off the field, your mind's all over the place, and you have some family things you're dealing with, and maybe some girlfriend issues, or maybe some just some other things. I think. I mean, that really affects your performance on the field. And most players don't realize that. They didn't flip that switch on and off, but that switch is always going to be on.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. The other things that are going on in your life can potentially affect your on-the-field performance or your work performance if you let it. So you have to flip that off and, and eliminate those distractions for sure. Now, I want to talk about your transition out of college football and your pre-draft training and, and leading up to the combine. But before we go there, I wanted to ask you, you were drafted in the 2021 draft. You're going into year two. Regarding the NFL as being a business, how has your mentality and your perspective changed from when you first came into the league and were a rookie versus where you're at now?
1: I could go on and on about this. Uh, <laughs> so when I first came into the league, um, obviously, I was going off of excitement. I kind of had the mindset going into camp that, okay, I know this is going to be a learning year for me. So whatever you do, kind of take in everything, what everybody says it does and just learn. So now I go into this, going into year two, I know what to expect. I know kind of how the grind goes. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It was a long year for me. Uh, It was a tough year for me mentally, just kind of like being a new lifestyle. The attention to detail was so much higher than it was in college. In the NFL, the competition level is way higher, too, as well. It was a lot for me to take on just because I don't think my mind was right starting going into it. I'm not saying it wasn't right, but it, I, I really just didn't know what to expect. So every day was like I was like a deer in headlights, like just trying to grasp everything the best way I could. So going into year two now, um, I know what to expect. So every day I'm taking everything differently. Uh, my mental was a lot stronger. A lot more prepared for what to expect to go through that twenty something game season and to perform at a high level for that long, and it it goes anything with like a work, like going being in a workplace. When you get a new job, you don't really, you're not really too confident of knowing exactly what you're doing until you get acclimated and kind of know what's going on. It's the same exact thing going into the NFL. Like my confidence was not where I wanted to wanted it to be, and I think that frustrated me more than ever because I was always a confident person. So really. Last year was a humbling year for me because I, I wasn't that confident person like I always was. So I had to find a way to get that confidence back and get that feeling back that I've been having since I was a young kid.
0: And something that I tell a lot of younger players, as well as just corporate professionals that are looking to learn and grow and advance in their career, is to link themselves up with some mentors who can help guide and shape them. Are there anybody that that you kind of linked up with your first season to help you?
1: I kind of just lean on my character coach in uh, college named Coleman Maxwell. He was our FCA. He was a part of our FCA team, him and Chauncey Frames. But he's kind of been my mentor for, for four or five years now. And whenever I'm going through some things, uh, whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed, I definitely lean on him. He always kind of runs me through situations. And it helps me get have a better outlook on on it as well. And I think, you know, he's probably one of the greatest men that I've ever met. Um, he's a guy I lean on constantly. And, you know, he, I appreciate him like more than he'll ever know.
0: Oh, well, that's awesome that you have such a great mentor to kind of help guide you and give you some advice and and help work through different experiences you have. So going to your pre-draft experience, so you're done with college football, you're hanging up those college cleats, and now it's time to get ready for the draft. You were one of those elite players who were invited to the 2021 NFL Combine, however, it was a little bit different because we were in this COVID environment. And so the NFL canceled their traditional events and schedule that was going to be in Indianapolis. And so they basically pushed everything to pro days. And you also didn't get to participate in the Senior Bowl. You were invited to, you ended up having COVID, in, which came as a surprise since you know, you're wearing a mask and, and stuff everywhere. But how was that like just you know, testing positive and not being able to participate in the Senior
1: Bowl? That whole COVID process throughout that, that training process was kind of overwhelming just because you didn't really know what to expect, how things were going to go. And, you know, we heard rumors that they were going to cancel the combine, which was, like, not necessarily, like, crazy, like, heartbroken for me. I was kind of just like, okay, well, what's next? Because I got to, you know, whatever I had, to, whatever it is, like, pro day, combine, whatever, I had to perform at my best that day. And it was kind of overwhelming because it was like, man, you never know he's going to get COVID. And you were just like, please don't get COVID on the day I to had perform. And sadly, that kind of came to me right when I got out to Alabama. I was there for two days. That night that we got there, I fell asleep in that morning. Man, I was just feeling my body was just aching bad. I ended up going to get tested well, we had to get tested. Still not thinking nothing of it. And when we got transferred to the new hotel, they called me like, all right, you have COVID. And I was like, okay, That makes a little bit of sense. But I still was like, this is, like, we're going to come test you again just to make sure that you, if you have it or not. And then when they told me I had it again, I was like, oh man, like I was frustrated. I kind of started crying just because I knew uh, that was kind of my chance to like really was my draft stack or really like show his coaches that I can play. Because I feel like I was definitely a sleeper in the draft, which is cool. I kind of like being a sleeper, or the underdog, because it just gives you a lot more to prove. But I was also like, I was I was really frustrated because I feel like that was my one of my moments to like really show like scouts and like coaches that like I'm gonna separate myself from all these other people that y'all think highly of, right? And I think like everything happens for a reason. Once I got that outlook, I, I kind of just didn't stress about it anymore. I was like, it is what it is. Like I can't do anything from here. But I think that was definitely an important thing that I, wish I could get back at some point. That I wish I could have got back. But at the end of the day, I went to Texas now. I feel like that happened for a reason. I feel like every, every a part of my journey happened for a reason. So I don't think about it or dwell on it too much. I'm definitely excited to where I'm at right now.
0: And your pro day was March 19th. You ended up running a four, six, five, 40, uh, 32 and a half inch vertical, 122 inch broad jump. Uh, Definitely, you know, great opportunity to, to show out in the absence of the combine. So this was like the big job interview. So let's fast forward to the draft. May 1st of 2021, you were selected by the Texans. What was it like getting that phone call? And the Texans actually traded up to draft you. What was that like, you know, just learning that you were going to be a part of the organization?
1: Right. I think it was a weekend of frustration. That's the best way I can put it. Uh, <laughs> most guys will tell you this, but the draft, you just don't know what, what will happen. And even, you know, people who give given the draft war or things like that were thinking to go where they're going to go. Like you literally just don't know what's going to happen. So before the Texans drafted me, Baltimore texted me and was like, all right, we're going to take you this round. We have like four or five picks or something like that. And I was like, all right, cool. So, I was expecting Baltimore to draft me. So, they had sent me a hat and like shirts and stuff that the week prior. So, I think Baltimore was the next pick and then the Texans straight up in uh, right before Baltimore. And I was just frustrated with my family. I was like, I wasn't frustrated at them. I was just, you could tell, like, it was, was, you could see it on my face. I was frustrated. And one of my my brother's dad said, man, smile. Like, you're going to be all right. You're going to get picked up. I was like, yeah, it's hard not to smile when you don't know where you're going. And then uh, that moment there, a Houston number called me, and I walked outside, and it was Nick Casario. He told me he was driving me, and I was like, there's a moment of relief went crazy. And then my girl was screaming. She was happy because I was going to be close to her. My mom was crying. She didn't even know where she was crying or where I was going. And then when they called my name, I just kind of broke down uh, and cried for like 10 minutes after. And then after that, we just had a big party out here, a big Crawford's ball in the backyard, and everybody was just having a good time, uh, listening to music and just hugging each other, being happy, so. That was definitely probably one of the best days of my life.
0: And now with the draft, I mean, you see it on TV, and then I mean, right after that, like guys are on a plane to right. whatever team they're going to. You were in the COVID year, so that didn't quite happen. So when did you actually show up in Houston and report?
1: I think it was two weeks after the draft. Uh showed up. That's when OTA started. So obviously OTAs weren't like they were this year. So that's when the uh, that's when the um the fourth part of the OTA started to where you could be on the field and practice and things like that. So we got right into it, started training with our weight coach at six in the morning. And, then you know, our practices used to be at eight. So, man, we used to be there all day meeting with the team development. Like, they're trying to get us ready for camp and things like that. But that's that's what most of our OTAs was going into my rookie year. But, yeah, I mean, we reported, it. It, was, it was go time. They sent us a playbook. They're like, look, my coach is like, look over this playbook, learn some of the concepts, just take every day as, like, a learning day, trying to learn some each and every day to try out there. And mental reps are, are key right now. So, you know, and then the position I had, we had brought in, we had, like, a new head coach. So we had a bunch of vets in the room. Um, at the time, that were, like, I was, like, the youngest one. I think the youngest guy in the room was, like, a fifth year or sixth year. So we had a bunch of these vets in the room. So I'm like, okay, I got to learn from these guys. And Boston know I'm competing against these guys. You know, just trying to manage all that, too, man. It was crazy, but definitely a blessing.
0: And was there something that was kind of surprising to you as you were going through OTAs or training camp, rookie manning camp, about being in the NFL?
1: I would just say that just the detail, we got coached a lot harder. And the margin of error just got this much smaller. So, I mean, just the margin of error of just messing up and doing the wrong thing is so small. So it's just kind of like chasing perfection to a whole nother level. That's probably the most, I wouldn't say a surprising thing because that's what I was expected. but that was kind of probably the toughest thing of night, knowing, try not to like tell yourself not to mess up, but then play comfortable at the same time.
0: Sure. And, you know, people see the glitz and the glamour of being a pro athlete. I think also with social media, it also gives people who aren't around the sport of football or any professional sports a little bit more of a window into the other aspects of a player's life and some of the things they might have to juggle and, and navigate through as well. When you look at kind of what you've gone through, what are some of the challenging parts of being a pro athlete?
1: I would just say being consistent. Um, it gets kind of lonely uh, <laughs> being a pro athlete. Probably busy seven days a week. No really, no true off day if you're really doing things the way that you need to be doing. So you're busy year round or well, six months, probably every day. So sometimes uh, not having that 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 break can get a little overwhelming. So it's important to fight for that time for you. Whenever you have that little bit of time, make that time for you. Whether it's Whatever makes you happy, whether it's listening to music, maybe reading, maybe just, you know what I'm saying, laying back in a tub, relaxing, whatever it is, it's important to find that time for you. Probably one of the best other advices I've had from somebody was falling in love with something else. And I was like, that kind of shocked me. I was like, what do you mean falling in love with something else? Like, this is what I love to do. But it gets to the point when you're doing that, like, every single day, at the extent that we're doing it, uh, it definitely gets a little overwhelming. So... Definitely had to find, like, another hobby to fall in love with. And whenever you're to have that time away, man, take advantage of that time to lean on whatever that is or lean on with your family. Like, for me personally, like, it was lonely for me because it was, like, my first time really being alone like that. I didn't have a roommate or anything like that. And my girl was coming back and forth from Dallas. So uh, my fiance now, by the time, she was my girl. But, man, it was kind of frustrating for me because I didn't really have nobody to lean on. Uh, nobody really talks to every day kind of get that frustration out and you know i think that's important to have somebody there too that you can lean on and kind of put your confidence towards
0: absolutely we all need that support system and people that we can lean on you mentioned your fiance tia you guys recently got engaged so congratulations to you guys and shout out to her for being awesome
1: (laughs) i appreciate it i'm sure she does too
0: And uh, so what I want to do now is I want to run you through my two-minute drill and ask you some fun questions. Are you ready?
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Whenever you are.
0: First question is, when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: NFL player or a firefighter. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it was NFL player.
0: (laughs) What three words would you use to describe yourself?
1: I would say passionate, motivated, and goofy.
0: What is one thing that most people don't know about you?
1: I used to write some poetry.
0: Oh, very nice. If you had one intro song played at all of your public appearances, what would that one song be?
1: Uh, (laughs) Probably Chocolate Style. Yeah, that's my song.
0: What book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to?
1: I'm actually listening to an audio book, of Will Smith's book.
0: Oh, very good. I've not not listened or read it yet, but I've heard it's a good book.
1: Yes, it's really good so far.
0: Next question is you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why?
1: I would probably choose Luther Van Row, him, I'd probably choose Sean Taylor, because that's like my favorite football player that I've ever played. And I would choose I'd probably do choose Will Smith just because he was one of my favorite actors. I like how I just him being able to play so many parts is unbelievable to me.
0: Yeah, he's definitely very versatile in, in the roles that he's had and, and flexible. He does a great job. And my last question is, do you sing in the shower?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> the follow-up to
0: that is, would Tia say that you sound good?
1: Uh no, she wouldn't. But I will say that. Uh my fiance she can she can blow. She can sing.
0: Oh, very cool.
1: She don't think she can, but she can sing. Like she every time I broke her head up, she'd be like, No, style, Bobby, no, you could sing.
0: Well, Tia, you need that confidence. You can sing, girl, so show out.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: something else I wanted to ask you about is what are you – we're getting closer to the NFL season. What excites you the most about this upcoming season?
1: Just the growth that I'm about to see within myself. Uh, this is like a feeling I have. Um, I had my year in college. It's like when I know I'm going to perform at a very high level, and I have that feeling. This just, just that feeling that I have. So I'm just excited about that, just to see myself get to that point. But I know it's going to take a lot of work, you know, through the season. Uh, it's going to take a lot of effort, a lot of grinding. So I'm excited to just go through that whole entire process again.
0: Well, we're looking forward to seeing you suit up and show it out there on Sundays. Yes, ma'am. As we look to close the show, where can people follow you on your journey? Where are you at on social media?
1: i mostly be on Instagram. I'm not really a huge social media person. I don't really post too, too much. I kind of like just being my own little world, but GYLO40.
0: Perfect. We will go ahead and have that in the show notes so people can follow you on your journey. Well, Garrett, thanks so much for joining us today. It has been a true pleasure getting to chat with you.
1: Yes, ma'am. I appreciate you. And I appreciate you for having me on the show.
0: Oh, absolutely. My pleasure to have you on. And thanks again to everyone for listening to today's episode. If you liked it, make sure that you hit the subscribe button and also share the episode again with a friend or two or three. And lastly, again, go check out the show notes so you can follow Garrett and you can also check out the merchandise in the Move the Ball merchandise store. Get yourself some swag and rock that you're a part of the Move the Ball movement. All right, everybody, again, thanks for listening. We will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball to see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business with your brand or your career. Check-
1: yes, ma'am, I appreciate you and I appreciate you for having me on the show.
0: Check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.